Oh god, is there gonna be feedback? Hello everyone. I think we're gonna give a couple minutes here just to let people kind of hop on and get settled in. Okay. Hi everyone, thanks for hopping on. I'm Angela Boyce from Primo Gardens, Inc. And I am Erin Babcock, also with Primo Gardens, Inc. in Columbus, Ohio. And we're still going to give a few more minutes to let people kind of roll in. Um, but we're about to get up and started with this special episode for Women's History Month. And we're really excited for our panel of guests. So we'll give a few more minutes and then we'll get started. Okay, hold tight. We are just waiting for one more of our panel guests, but um, thank you guys all for being here. Uh, we have a panel of all women within the cannabis industry, so we're really excited to uh, have some fun discussions tonight. Um, just sit tight while we wait for one more person.
Okay, thank you everyone for being here today live on the clubhouse. Um, we are here on Hempin Outside the Box um, on this special episode for Women's History Month. We're doing a little takeover of the podcast. So we've got the co-owners of Short North, the Primo Gardens Inc. Short North. Um, we just opened up in July and we're really excited to be here. I'm Angela Boyce. And I'm Erin Babcock. Um, like she said, we are the co-owners of Primo Gardens Inc. Short North. And a little background, we opened up in July of this past year, 2021. And we are really excited to be in the Columbus, Ohio area. It's been awesome. Um, I graduated last spring of 2021 with my exercise science degree. And I am currently studying medical cannabis science and therapeutics at the University of Maryland. And Angela? And I have a background in psychology, um, a bachelor's from University of Akron. That's where me and Aaron met. We both played soccer there um, on their team. And we kind of have been friends ever since, roommates and everything. And now we're business partners. <laughs> so Yep, really went full circle with that. <laughs> But um, without further ado, we're going to introduce you guys to some of our special guests here. Um, we've got some awesome ladies from Women Can who are here in Columbus as well and Cincinnati and all throughout Ohio. They're an awesome nonprofit that stands for women in the cannabis industry, and they do some really amazing stuff. We also have our R&D specialist on here, Ashley. Shout out to Denver. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, welcome to our panel. If you guys want to um, unmute yourselves and introduce yourselves, then uh, we can get started. So uh, Ashley, if you wanna introduce yourself first, our research and development specialist from Primo Gardens Inc., Ashley. Yeah, thank you. My name's Ashley. As they mentioned, I am the R&D specialist here at Primo Gardens. Um, I live in Colorado, so um, we kind of handle this side of the United States, but um, happy to be here, happy to talk with the, the other ladies, and uh, I think we're going to have a good discussion today, so happy to be here. Thank you, Ash, for joining us. Um, we're really excited to be able to talk about your experiences in the cannabis industry, as well as the rest of the ladies we have. Sounds good. Cool. All right, Lydia, do you want to give us a little bit of background about um, your experiences in the industry and your uh, nonprofit as well? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much again, Angela and Aaron, for having us on here. I have a couple of my other Women Can ladies, Brittany and Lisa, on the call as well, and I'll have them introduce themselves after this. Um, but again, my name is Lydia. I am the founder and president of Women Can. Um, we just kind of started up last year, actually. We're about to reach our one year around 420, ironic. Um, but uh, ever since then, we've been growing, and our mission statement is to empower women by providing a safe space through advocacy, support, and education surrounding women and cannabis. And we started here in Ohio, but we've been growing nonstop just because this is something that is definitely really needed in the industry right now. 
Um, this is a very dated industry, which is why I love Angela and Erin are doing. Um, they're kind of like me. They're young women and they went ahead and started their own business and I'm kind of on the same boat. Um, but I suffer from psoriatic arthritis as well. And um, I was diagnosed at the age of 11, was put on pharmaceuticals, uh, uh, steroids, infusion therapy, chemotherapy, whatever you can think of, I was on and nothing was working. I got my medical card in January of 2018 here in Ohio. Um, and then af slowly after that, I went into remission with my psoriatic arthritis. And then January of 2021, I have been off all medication except for cannabis. So this is pretty powerful for me. And so I really wanted to spread that education, but really make it more women-centered um, because there's a lack of uh, women-centered education in general, but specifically surrounding the cannabis industry. And there are so many women-centered conditions such as endometriosis and PCOS where we need to kind of focus on because those are endocannabinoid deficiency conditions. Um, so we are really, Women Can is a huge resource hub for women to go to if they want to get that education. But not only that, but if they want to get into the industry themselves, they can kind of come to us and we spread awareness in the community as well. We have a uh, website, socials. We have this big event coming up, which I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself now talking. So I'll tell you guys about that a little bit later, but I'll go ahead and hand it off to Lisa. And Lisa is Women Can's Education and Content Committee co-chair. So go ahead, Lisa. Thank you, Lydia. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, like Lydia said, my name is Lisa Burgess, and I'm the Education Committee Chair at Women Can. Um, I've also worked inside the Ohio cannabis industry since 2018. Um, all the way up to a director of cultivation at uh, one of the level one cultivators. Um, so I have uh, degrees from Kent State in horticulture and uh, computer technology. Um, so education and learning has always been a huge passion of mine, um, especially when it comes to plants. Um, so a huge part of, you know, my role within Women Can is to um, write a lot of the informational articles um, ranging from um, raising awareness of different health conditions and um, all the way to like botany and uh, job assistance um, as somebody who has hired within the industry. Um, so it's a really great platform for me to be able to um, reach out to other women and teach them things and maybe help them uh, work within the industry. And uh, yeah, and we also have Brittany here with us. Um, so I will hand everything off to her. Hi, I'm Brittany Osborne and I joined Women Can back in November of last year. I actually helped them plan their first event um, through the old school that I was at. I was at the Cleveland School of Cannabis for two years as their administrative assistant. So um, I'm now currently helping Women Can with all their events and their fundraising and their volunteer efforts, kind of everything. I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> um, but personally for me, um, as far as, you know, cannabis goes, I, it's always been around me my whole entire life since I was little. Um, and I never saw anything wrong with it when people would say that there was because I didn't see the people that were using this particular drug doing anything wrong. Um, so 
I never really had a stigma against it, but I noticed when I actually started to use for the first time how much it helped with my anxiety was in high school. So that was like an eye opener to start looking into like actual medical maybe studies in other countries that had been done to learn more about it. So I just like the education part of it and spreading awareness and helping women and empowering them because it definitely is needed in this industry in particular. Um, and that's it really, happy to be here. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm so excited. We have such an amazing panel here of industry leaders. Like we are really paving the way in this industry and I'm so happy to have you guys on this episode. So I think we will start to get into the content then. We're gonna start talking about gender in the cannabis industry. So this can kind of have a few different ways we look at it. So we have the cannabis plant, which also has genders that it can be. So it's kind of a unique plant, but also we're here to talk about the amazing stories we have on this panel of um, females in the industry. So uh, to start off uh, with the cannabis plant, you can have actually female and male cannabis plants. And it is the female plants that actually produce the flower and buds that people are looking for when growing their plant. And a lot of farmers will remove um, the male plants from their crop in order for the females and the buds to thrive and become rich in cannabinoids. So shout out to the female cannabis plant for being what we all search for. Um, I know Lisa has experience in the uh, horticulture and botany side of it. So um, Lisa, do you have any fun facts to add about this plant? <laughs> Yeah, so um, as far as gender goes, cannabis is uh, kind of an interesting plant. Um, so in far, as far as botany terms go, um, cannabis would be what is referred to as a dioecious plant, um, which means its flowers are imperfect. And in botany, a perfect flower is a flower that has uh, both male and female parts and doesn't require a partner um, to pollinate and make fertile seeds. Um, so all of cannabis plants, obviously, we know our females have our big showy flowers and uh, the males are decidedly, um, they're not pretty. Their flowers are stringy and they kind of look like just little balls and very distinctive <laughs> from very distinctive from the females. Um, but Cannabis is also an interesting plant that even though they are all born either male or female, they also, um, especially under stress and um, some are just have a genetic tendency to, but they will also um, basically what we term as a herming out, which um, like our female plant will suddenly start growing male flowers. Um, so yeah, cannabis uh, gender is kind of a fluid thing when it comes to a cannabis plant. And uh, yeah, and it can entirely just be in response to uh, like a poor lighting program and an indoor grow. Thank you so much for that um, insight onto how the plant kind of develops and um, how the gender works as well. Um, thank you to all of our live listeners for hopping on right now. And if you have any questions throughout any part of this podcast, 
definitely get the chat box flowing. We'll answer these questions live um, and you can be part of the discussion. So uh, we really want to hear your opinion too. And okay, so moving on, um, I want to ask a question spe specified to Ashley. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your experience with Primo and the cannabis industry. Um, just like how your passion for making uh, these products transformed into Primo. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's kind of a two-part answer. Um, so first of all, uh, when my husband, Mike, and I uh, started Primo, it really kind of um, involved my passion for just making my own products at home. Um, I did a lot of experimenting in my own kitchen, to be honest, and I was making my own lotions and making my own face creams and, you know, all of the above. And so really it was, you know, my passion, you know, mixed with, you know, when the farm bill got passed, um, that really kind of started Primo. Um, and then we ended up moving to Southern Colorado. We live here in Colorado. Um, so then we started farming and we had, um, gosh, I don't even remember how many acres, but it was a lot, <laughs> a lot of acres and we were doing the whole farming thing. So, um, I really got the experience being a licensed hemp farmer, um, and really learning how to, uh, farm the plant. And then um, it kind of just evolved into us moving out of that area. And uh, we moved back to Denver and, um, you know, we just kind of, we started, it just kind of started growing and um, we ended up creating a store and making a store out of it. We have a storefront. Um, we do a lot of online sales. And um, so, yeah, it just kind of started just growing from there. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to kind of um, starting at home and kind of um, learning something and turning it into a passion. And then um, it's really empowering to hear your story and Primo's story kind of developing into this business um, based on your passions. Yeah. And then to finally be a part of this uh, Primo family with you guys, like, uh, seeing everything that you guys went through to build it. It's pretty cool. So thank you, Ashley, for sharing that with us. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. And so with talking about cannabis, we kind of want to go into women using cannabis. So we found this stat that uh, for Gen Z women uh, in 2022, they were the fastest group to uh, start consuming cannabis more so. So it increased by 151% of users. So um, cannabis definitely has its benefits for everyone, but women specifically can have additional benefits that are specified to them. I know Women Can has done a lot of research into that kind of stuff. So Lydia or one of the Women Can women, would you guys like to share a little bit more about the benefits of cannabis specifically for women? Yeah, so 
there are so many benefits for women with cannabis. Um, and I mean, just to name a few menopause, uh, PMS symptoms, um, cramps, like endometriosis, PCOS, anxiety, which women are more likely to get anxiety than men, um, PTSD, um, a lot of what? Yeah, eating disorders too. I mean, there's so much variety and that's not being focused on right now, um, which is kind of where we come in. Um, but I'll, I'll touch on PCOS and endometriosis because those conditions are literally endocannabinoid deficiency conditions. Um, and there are a ton of research articles um, and clinical studies out about that, all of them positively associated with cannabis. And basically what that means is that you don't, if you have PCOS or endometriosis in your, in your endometrium tissue, there's not enough endocannabinoid receptors and there's not enough endogenous cannabinoids that are being released. Endogenous means that it's being produced by your body naturally on its own. Um, and so we have two main uh, endogenous cannabinoids, AEA, and I can't pronounce the other one, um, so I'm not even going to try. Um, but with endometriosis and uh, PCOS, you're not getting enough of those released. And so that's when external cannabinoids from the cannabis plant come in and can help with like THC and CBD, especially with those conditions, using a ratio of like a four to one CBD to THC is very helpful. CBD and THC is kind of like a lock and key mechanism um, that kind of unlocks all of the benefits. Um, and I'm going to pass it off to Brittany or Elisa, if you guys have anything else you want to say on that, but just wanted to touch on that pretty lightly. Yeah, thank you. If so I much. could find my mic to, to unmute there. Um, I mean, I can say personally with PCOS, I mean, I'm 39, so inevitably, you know, menopause is going to hit soon. That's going to be fun, I'm sure. But I've had PCOS since I was probably 18. I was diagnosed officially by a doctor when I was like 22. And I know with that condition, and particularly diabetes, is a lot more common. And I did develop type 2 diabetes because of it. Um, and my biggest concern always with going to doctors for mental health stuff was my anxiety. My anxiety was awful all the time. And when I was able to actually just, you know, start using this medicine, this plant more regularly, that stopped. It helped. And it also helped other side effects of PCOS. So, you know, the, the pain portion where, you know, you get fibroids and different things like that. So, um, Definitely, I can say just from a personal standpoint, um, it helps, I feel like, with PCOS, definitely. I, more research needs to be done with it, for sure. Um, but they need to take it more into consideration. There's a lot more women with it than they realize. And that's the thing, too, is that there's a ton of research out on PCOS and endometriosis, but it is not being taken seriously in the medical community, even though they have all of these clinical studies and research to back that. And I only named those two because of the amount of research that there is. And so that's kind of what we're about at Women Can is we want to bring that to light so that people start taking that seriously, especially in the medical community. We just started up a group called the Medical Professionals Affinity Group 
where they meet every month, last Sunday of the month, and they talk about new clinical studies that are being done, how they can implement, implement that into their own physician offices, their practices, what have you. But we really need to start, you know, gearing it towards the physicians because those are the people you go to first when you're experiencing these symptoms. Um, so just getting that education out that's already out there in a way that everybody can understand to destigmatize it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point that you bring up, um, that a lot of this research is there. Um, it's just a lot of people don't pay attention to some of the details of what goes into this industry. Um, people might know THC or cannabis as that euphoric high and think that that's where it stops, but there's actually so much more that the plant can do for you. Um, all of the different cannabinoids in the plant there's THC, CBD, CBC, CBG, like the list just keeps going on every day. And we're finding out um, new things every day as well. Um, and so I think it's great that there's nonprofits like Women Can that are amplifying those voices so that it can be heard by professionals in the industry, but also people who it directly affects. So I think that um, I think the work that Lydia and the rest of the Women Can ladies have put into this is amazing. And um, so, Lydia, what would like a nonprofit um, be doing behind the scenes, things that people don't really see um, firsthand? What would a donation to Women Can do? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question because when I started this, you know, I to be honest, I don't have any nonprofit experience. Everything that I do now, I've learned by myself. I've taken some online courses. I've read plenty of books around how to start your own nonprofit. And I didn't realize how much goes into it. And I thought, okay, we're going to get donations and we're going to automatically donate that to, you know, uh, like several other nonprofits. Like there's other ones in Ohio, like Medicaid OH, or even going towards scholarship for med cards and stuff like that. I thought it would be a simple transaction just like that. But there is so much work that goes in behind the scenes too, of just even having our own website. And with that financially is hard too, especially when we're just getting up and going. Um, and so a lot of our focus in the last year is those startup costs, getting a website where everyone could access it. Um, because another thing too, especially with COVID right now, is a lot of this is just not accessible, These this education. Um, and then a lot of it, we go towards events in the community. We've done two Women Can hosted events so far. We have another one coming up here pretty soon, March 19th, that's next weekend, that Primo Gardens will be at. Um, it's called Women Can Celebrate, which is in honor of International Women's Month um, to really just celebrate women-owned businesses. We have some musicians that are coming out too, and a lot, there's a lot, a lot of work that goes into that. Like the whole team of Women Can is about 15 people, and I do have a full daytime job as well too. So there's there's a lot that goes behind the scenes that people don't realize on my end. It's a lot of tax filing and a lot of tax work. Um, but I'm sure like Lisa can tell you, like she does a lot of research on education so we can constantly, you know, let the women of the world know what's new, what, what they should know about cannabis and how it pertains to them. And then Brittany, as well as um, I have another events uh, committee co-chair as well with her, Christine and 
they are the ones in charge of finding like venues and where can we have this to best fit the community? What can we have to make this holistic? What we're trying to do with events is kind of geared away from alcohol. We don't want cannabis to be, you know, seen as a party drug. Um, we really want people to treat it as medicine because that's the only way it's going to be taken seriously by the government and by the rest of the community, the people who don't, eh, they're like eh, on the fence about it. Um, and so a lot of our donations right now go into that, but we hope to expand, like we already are expanding multi-state and to reach other communities and stuff. But that, unfortunately, I wish it didn't take any money, but uh, unfortunately it does. But um, we're able to do a lot of different things and, you know, have a lot of different partnerships with other people that can kind of, um, you know, mitigate those financials and stuff. Uh, but every donation we get, we're so thankful for, we're able to give, um, you know, tax exempt status to businesses and stuff like that. So there's a lot that goes behind the scenes, um, but it's, it's so rewarding and the amount of women that we've been able to touch and connect with and, um, just, it, yeah, it's beautiful, but I'll let Brittany and Lisa, do you guys have anything else to say on that about what you guys do too? Yeah, um, I mean, Lydia kind of phrased everything uh, perfectly, um, but as far as my part within the organization, you know, like I said, I have a real passion uh, for teaching people things, um, but also, um, like Lydia said, a lot of my behind-the-scenes stuff um, within the organization is just doing a lot of reading and research and finding out what are the newest studies and what were the results and how do those things work and just kind of acting as an informant uh, to people to get that information out to where it's somewhere that's easier to find and more accessible to other people. And then I think I'll let Brittany take over. Yeah, all I do. I do also have the ability to teach people how to grow plants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she's, I think Brittany's uh, mute button is stuck. So, um, but yeah, her part was just, you know, um, just being able to teach women these things. Um, it's just really great to be able to participate in this community and give something else back. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, education plays a huge role in advocacy, um, and it's amazing the work that you guys are doing. Um, what were you saying, Ashley? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just saying I think that that's a really cool, uh, like what you got your your mission is, or the the Women Can group. Um, you know, just being a voice and you know providing resources for women, and um, I I just think it's really cool what you guys have going on. Thank you, Ashley. That means a lot. And the biggest thing, too, one of the biggest rewards is the community that we're able to build and connect with. Um, you know, it's it's 2022. I still see women like tearing each other down. So our biggest thing that we're about is connecting with each other and raising each other up and saying, yeah, you want to start a business? Let's let's find out how you can do that and let's help you um, and stuff like that. So 
that's really what we're about at the end of the day is that genuine, transparent connection um, Mm -hmm. with other women since we really don't see that in other industries as well. And we really, this is an opportunity to do it right from the start with this industry and initiating those gender transformative principles. So I appreciate you saying that, Ashley. Yes, you're welcome. No problem. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, I think it's great. um, The foundation that we're building in this industry, I think that starting right from jump and um, being gender um, equal and kind of pushing those boundaries is great. And I love to like hear from other powerful people in the industry. Um, So Ashley, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, what goes into being a research and development specialist? Like you have done some amazing work with the formulations that we have at Primo Garden. So if you want to give us a little insight. Yeah, um, it's really just a lot of A lot of research, obviously, but it's listening to what the customers are wanting and what they're truly looking for. Um, And then, I mean, that's part of like the Primo Gardens vision, right? You know, we, a lot of the other CBD companies out there, a lot of the competition, they just have like a, a one and done type of formula. And, you know, um, with us, you know, not with every product, obviously, but you know, with some of our products, we're able to kind of tailor it to their needs. And like, I, I love doing that. I love being able to help people, um, talk to people about what's going on and then try and find a formula that will work for them. And if it doesn't, then we can tweak it. And, um, just being able to like, you know, just customize it really, um, and tailor a formula for, each individual person or, or whatnot, or if a company has, um, a certain, you know, vision for what they're wanting, you know, we can kind of work with them and just, you know, really just tailor the formulas, I guess. And so, um, after I talk to people, I just, I just go to the research. I research and I have, um, different resources and I just start from there and, we just kind of tweak it until we like it. I love that, Ashley. Just wanted to jump in because um, I think that every medicine should be treated like that, even in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that, you know, mindset that we're going to, pharmacies or, or pharmaceutical companies are going to make that one medicine that fits the majority, if not every single person. But in reality, that's not the case. We are all different biologically and and just how our body works and its mechanisms. And that goes to show, too, with the endocannabinoid system, every single person's endocannabinoid system is different. So it is really important to tailor the products that they're going to use to what they need and what their endocannabinoid system needs. And that's what I, why I love you guys and what you guys do and your vision. So I just wanted to say I love that. Thank you so much, Lydia. I appreciate that. Um, I didn't mention that, you know, we use a lot of essential oils and terpenes as well. So, you know, we could talk all day about all of what essential oils and terpenes can do um, 
for the endocannabinoid system as well, but that goes into it, right? So um, a part of researching whatever we're trying to figure out, you get to experiment and just tailor a formula to somebody or for something. And it's, it's awesome when you see a, um, a successful result. So thank you so much. I was going to add, Ashley, a lot of people don't realize, though, with like terpenes in particular, that there are certain ones that your body actually needs. And mm -hmm. given the chance to smell individual ones, the ones that are most, I don't know, what would you say, arom aromatic to you or like smells the best to you, appealing to you, are the ones generally that your body is actually um, needs that you're lacking. Um, and most people don't know that. So they just go by whatever somebody else says and they put the terpenes in there. It's the same for every single person, but every single person is not the same. And there's so much mm -hmm. more that goes into it besides THC or CBD or CBG or CBA. I mean, there's just so many different things. Um, so it's awesome that you guys do tailor your products that way. And I can speak from experience from buying them. Um, I have your actual CBD tinctures for my grandmother and mm -hmm. I think they've helped her a lot with her anxiety and I mean Angela said when she made my order she knew I knew what I was trying to put together because it was all like anxiety calming like yeah. helping her with her cognitive health <laughs> but yeah, there's there's great. so much science behind it it's it's that education education is the biggest thing it we need more education we need more people talking about it and knowing what they're talking about Absolutely. And like you said before, you know, it's just spreading that awareness. And I love how you mentioned that because you're right. Not, so, not everybody knows that, that if a certain scent is really appealing to you, it's uh, your body's way of telling you that that's what you need. Um, and so I'm really glad that you actually said that because um, usually when I tell people that they kind of look at me weird, <laughs> but it, it's true. It's, it's very, very true. So Ashley, um, I never believed it until I went on a processing <laughs> tour and they had a, a, a bat, you know, freezer, whatever filled with uh, terpenes and they had the huge beakers, the glass beakers of them. So we physically got to stick our nose down in it. And I'm just like this, this is what my heaven smells like. This mm -hmm. is where I want to live forever. It's just, it's insane smelling them individually and then, Figuring that out when you taste it and smell it within the product, it's just, it's, it's, it's all wild. It's crazy how it works, but you know, it's this perfect yeah. little plant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys all for that input. I also wanted to add that I read somewhere recently that people are always seeking the uh, strain with the most potent THC levels, the highest percent they can get because they think that that's what's going to get them the highest and that kind of thing, make them feel the best. But um, actually, it's the blend of terpenes within that cannabis strain that play a substantial role in how the person will react to the cannabis. So Your entourage and... Heck yeah. This is Aaron, actually. But <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Aaron. I thought it was Ange. Well, whatever. I love you, too. Hi. <laughs> I love you, too. It's good. Just sitting right next but to each other. <laughs> same, same thing, though. It's, it's, it's a huge... I've gotten a way, I guess, if you want to say higher high, <laughs> off of some 17% THC because of the amount of CBD that might have been in it and the certain terpenes that were in it than I ever did off of, like, a 32%. Exactly. So, 
people don't believe it because they think higher is better. But, you know, that's also the difference between educated and uneducated. Right. It's the combination. It's the synergistic effect within your body, within each individual's body, which is another reason why um, we love doing what we do at Primo and making custom blends for people and being able to rebuild strains back once they've been uh, processed into distillate. We can build um, blends back that have a specific terpene profile so we can target specific effects. I mean, the so, fact that you're seed um, to sell, you know, that right there is exactly. a big thing. Most CBD companies cannot say that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So we love doing that. And again, I want to say thank you to all of our live listeners right now. And if you guys have any questions uh, during the rest of this podcast, feel free to drop them in the comments. Um, we will try to answer them as we go. But um, I wanted to go into some more discussion questions. So uh, anyone within the panel can speak up and give their take on these answers. But I wanted to start off by asking, um, what empowers you to combat stigma against cannabis or women in cannabis? So what helps you to be able to combat, combat those stigmas? Can you repeat the question? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want what empowers you to combat the stigma against cannabis? So what what motivates you to stand up for this plant or also the women in cannabis? Um, like what's your why? What's your reason? Okay, well, I think, um, you know, just from my perspective, um, when I started uh, working in the cannabis industry, um, you know, I came from a traditional horticulture background. And uh, so it was like a big jump. And there were times where I, when people would ask me um, what I did for a living, that I would hesitate to tell them. And I would just tell them something like, you know, I'm a horticulturist and not tell them specifically what I did for a living just to avoid the risk of getting into like an awkward conversation if, you know, they had negative opinions about the medical marijuana industry or anything. But, you know, as like the years passed and stuff, you know, I kind of, just it's such a silly thing to kind of like be wary about or, you know, not that I was embarrassed about it, but there were times where I would almost feel like that I should have been embarrassed about it, which is ridiculous. So it got to the point where I would just go from telling people that, oh, yeah, I'm a horticulturist or I'm a botanist. And I would just tell people, yeah, I grow weed. And I would just leave it at that too, for them to figure out if that was my job or if I meant in my basement. And um, I kind of just stopped worrying about it. And I think as soon as I stopped worrying about what other people were thinking, um, it made me a lot more comfortable. And I think that made other people comfortable talking about it that weren't familiar with the industry. I mean, I would say my why is definitely, I know I touched on this earlier with my psoriatic arthritis and that's a big part of it too, but 
it's really all the women that I see that are either working in the industry or they're a patient and they're not getting the help that they need. And a lot of them feel lonely at a lot of times. And I know when I first entered the industry as a patient, I felt like I was the only woman who consumed cannabis. And I was actually kicked out of my doctor's office as well, too. That made me feel very dirty about something that really saved me. I mean, like I said before, nothing worked for my psoriatic arthritis. The psoriasis part, I was covered head to toe in the red, like painful patches. And obviously that weighed on my self-esteem as well, too. And so to find something that literally has no, like you can't overdose on it. It has little to no side effects. That was something I felt like the whole world should know. And then within the industry, working within the industry, being one of the only females in my companies that I would work for, it, it felt like a big testosterone group of friends that were only there because they only like to get high. Whereas I wanted to, you know, I really wanted to help give other women these benefits, especially women, because I know for generations now, we are not being taken seriously when we go to our physicians. We're not being taken seriously about our mental health, especially. Um, usually that gets played off or any conditions that we do have physiologically gets played, oh, it's in her head. So this is, I always, our little catchphrase or our motto is, it's a female plant, it should be a female conversation. Um, and I think that is so true. It is our time to shine. You know, we've been in the back burner for so long. There's that saying that men fall forward and women fall backwards. And that is very true. And especially in the industry, in the cannabis industry. And so my why, I guess, is so that doesn't have to be like that. Like I said before, we have an opportunity to do it right from the start. And this industry is going to affect every single other industry. And so if we can be an example you know, that would only push us forward even more when right now it feels like we're still going backwards. So what I will say is um, for me personally, um, being from Colorado and being, you know, one of the first states to legalize the use of recreational cannabis, I never really felt um, like I was out of place here um, now if I were somewhere else, maybe, but my whole, like my why is, um, like basically what you guys have all already mentioned. And that was, you know, spreading awareness and just the benefits of what this plant can do for us. And, you know, um, as I've already mentioned, you know, I've been very passionate about, you know, making my own, you know, all natural products and, having the best products for my own use. So it's just really, you know, about spreading awareness and, you know, educating people about what the the plant can do, because I feel like it still carries that stigma of being a, you know, a party plant and um, people just want to get high and, and all of that stuff, but there's really so much more to it. And I know that that's a big, um, from what you guys are saying for, for women can, that's a, um, a big part of what you guys are trying to educate. So, um, yeah, just really just trying to educate people. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think advocacy definitely plays a huge role in this industry right now. And I would say a lot of my passion um, derives from advocacy as well. I definitely, um, being kind of an entrepreneur and stepping into this atypical space after getting a bachelor's degree, um, it was like a very, like, uh, a move that you had to have a lot of courage to do. And I think that I see this in the cannabis industry as well, um, where we kind of have to push through these barriers and be atypical to a certain extent. Like we're considered alternative medicine. We have to kind of be okay with being unique um, to be able to break a lot of this stigma. And I think everyone here has been doing a great job to kind of educate about the types of things that cannabis can help with and um, THC, CBD and all. Um, So thank you so much to everyone for being here. Yeah, and with education playing a huge role, it's kind of crazy how I think very, very, very few college programs even address the endocannabinoid system or any sort of science associated with cannabis. Um, Doctors don't. Yeah, the doctors don't at all. It's like 10 minutes. Exactly, exactly. It's a single PowerPoint, if that. But um, being a part of the University of Maryland's program, um, I think it's like one of three in the country. So I really hope to see that grow um, over the nation and have more of those types of universities put in because um, the education is out there. Like you guys were saying, there are there is research out there. We just need to... Um, really push it forward to the people and put it in a way that is accessible to everyone. People who um, don't go read a research paper and analyze it like Lisa might, like people need to be able to read it in their layman terms and um, just understand that it's just a plant. It's not a drug. It's not uh, making people commit crimes like, they had said in the war on drugs it's just a plant and it's a plant that helps people so um yeah and speaking of advocacy i have a question for both angela and aaron um obviously you guys are women but you're also young women entrepreneurs can you guys like kind of talk about that and if you've had any pushback being a young not only a woman, but you're also young too. Have you had pushback with, you know, people not taking you seriously, not taking CBD or cannabis seriously? Yeah. So, um, this is Aaron. I'll go first. Uh, for the most part, I feel like we've been pretty respected in the industry and, uh, that has kind of surprised me, honestly, but, um, it excites me and it makes me happy to be a part of an industry that is uh, for the most part inclusive because it's such a new emerging industry. Um, Men and women are given pretty much equal opportunity, but um, we have to go out there and take it as women. So um, I know there are times where Ange and I are at an event and my mom might be there with us and they just assume it's (laughs) my mom's business, even though she helps us a ton for sure. But um, we definitely get those assumptions every now and then, but I don't know. I feel like it kind of just motivates us because I don't know, we're doing something at such a young age and I feel like we're both proud of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. 
Um, you should be proud of it. It's incredible. Same thing I tell Lydia all the time, starting her nonprofit last year. I mean, yeah. she never wants to talk about her age, but she's really young. And that's incredible to take on at such a young age. So I mm -hmm. love this new, like, era of women that are coming through that are, you know, strong and strong-minded and strong-willed and, you know, just don't take no for an answer. I love it. Just keep kicking ass. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's definitely um, interesting being the youngest person in every room you walk into, and it can definitely be intimidating at times, but um, I think it's definitely a learning curve, but also you just kind of got to put yourself out there and um, accept the fact that you do deserve a seat at the table and you do deserve to be in that room. And I hope that every woman that walks into any room can feel that way as well. So I want to thank everyone here for um, attending our live stream. Thank you so much. Um, shout out Felicia. Thank you for stopping in. Thank you. Shout out Lori boys. Hello. <laughs> yes. And Dana and Mike, thank you for sitting in. And thank you to our wonderful panel of guests, Ashley, Lydia, Lisa, Brittany, Aaron, <laughs> and Angela. <laughs> Yes, we had an amazing time here today, and I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Hempin' Outside the Box, Gender in the Cannabis Industry for Women's History Month. Thank you, Women Can. Thank yes. you, Primo Gardens. And everyone, come to the Celebrate Women Can event next weekend, March 19th in Cincinnati. If you guys want to shout that out one more time, go yeah, ahead. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh. 4 to 10 p.m. at Riverfront Live in Cincinnati. And um, if you don't remember that, just go to our website, womencan.org, womencan with two N's at the end. Um, and then our socials are just womencan as well, too. So go ahead and check that out. We have a lot of exhibitors as well as um, cannabis companies and CBD companies and women-owned companies. We're going to have, like, tie-dye there. We're going to have some live like art making, which is amazing. And then from 7 to 10 p.m., we're going to have all local female musicians that are going to be performing too. So it's just going to be a time to celebrate women and being a woman because, I mean, we should celebrate us every day, but we luckily get a whole month for International Women's Day. So if you guys are in Ohio at all, just feel free to stop on down. Tickets are free, yes. by the way. Yes, it's going to be so much fun. Donations are humbly accepted. <laughs> <laughs> well, big shout out to the hosts, um, Angela and Aaron. This was a great conversation. And um, yeah, shout out to you guys as well. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.